And what's good, folks? Back again like we never left. It's been a little minute. Been a little minute. We've been on hiatus. And, uh, but we're back now. It is Monday, July 2nd. Yes, it is July. We've gone through halfway through the calendar year so far. We passed the halfway to Christmas point and a lot of other things. We'll get y'all caught up. This is your host, Mario Mario Caballero. And we hit another little milestone on here. We're getting episode numero 30 coming right to your motherfucking dome. Right here. And I wish it was a more happy time in my life, personally. Maybe not personally. Maybe just as a sports. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a couple shit that's just irking me today. It's really irking me. Wish I was in a better mood, but I'm not. And I just gotta spit on it. You gotta say what it is, because there's just a bunch of big news going on in the motherfucking sporting world. Yeah, I'll do what's dearest to me. Came earlier this morning. Freaking Mexico and Brazil. The matchup I was fearing at the start of the tournament. Knew I had a good chance. <sighs> Disappointed. Once again, Mexico drops this one 2 nothing. Freaking not how they wanted to do it. Still can't get to that damn quinto partido. And the curse continues. <sighs> Man, wish I had different news to say, but it is what it is. Yeah, sorry about that. I had to go close some windows. Anyway, like I was saying, matchup. I knew there was a good chance of coming. And then at the beginning of the tournament, as you might have been able to sense from my enthusiasm after the first match, Mahik was on a ridiculous high beat in Germany. Like, that shit was crazy. It's leading the group after the first match. Winning the second match, still leading the group, beating South Korea. But unfortunately not clinching in that final match. And so they had to play against Sweden with the possibility of being eliminated if they lose. If they tie it or win the game, they're in, basically. And with all likelihood being the number one seed and avoiding the number one seeded Brasilesiao um, that they would have been matched up against. They were, what, freaking group were they? They were group E, Mexico's group F. So, fortunately, Sweden whipped ass in that third game. And it was no bueno. They completely laid an egg, man. Completely laid an egg. And I feel like some of that probably carried over a little bit. And I think I was upset with Osorio. Not because he made changes, but it's the type of changes that he made that I wasn't really fond of, necessarily. I mean, personally speaking, in certain situations, I would have seen guy. I would have wanted to ask to see guys like uh, uh, Tecatito out there on the wing a little bit more. Bring him off the bench. I want to see Layun play back more. Match up against Neymar. Because uh, they're getting exposed back there a little bit on the wings. Yetsin Alvarez and Gallardo también, man. Freaking. Yeah, they had to put Layun back there. I don't know why they did. They, he didn't even start. He didn't even start the matchup. 
It's freaking crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Osorio is thinking. I love Rafa Marquez to death, but he's a substitute player at this point in his career. Started him, played a half, and like, I don't know. I don't know. Mexico was supposed to be attacking up front in the beginning. That's how they've been playing in this tournament, getting their business done early, and then falling back on it. But, yeah, the first 30 minutes that they played today, they were really coming out on the break, had a lot of opportunities. Brazil uh, cramped down on them right at the end, so they didn't get a lot of shots on goal. They got a lot of them shots blocked, deflected. Like last last second defense, but coming up clutch for them, and they just weren't able to break through. And that proved uh, their downfall because after the thirty minutes, you could really tell Brazil just settled down into the match and just took control really. And whew, oh boy, it was uh, yeah, not as good from there on forward. I mean. You got the freaking ridiculous antics from Neymar. That was freaking the most, oh my God, most frustrating thing to have to witness because he's the one that scored the goal for them to go up first off. So I'm like, fuck, can't let this shit be the end of it. And then freaking Stu tumbles out of bounds, holding the ball between his legs. Layun comes over to try to grab it. Granted, got part of his leg with his cleat. But not enough where you would assume a dude looked like he got shot out there. And that's exactly what happened. And this fool calls the most ridiculous ruckus in front of the benches that I like I might have ever seen in a goddamn World Cup. That shit was fucking ridiculous. Grand people saying like you could have got thrown out, but that would have been some bullshit. That would have been some bullshit in my opinion. It was just all bullshit. It was fucking crazy. It brought him on in half, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Anyway, all the momentum and everything just was killed right after that. And then they eventually they scored again later and put it to bed. Uh, Roberto Bobby Firmino comes in. He's actually, I think, their best option as a stop striker, but they play Gabriel Jesus above him. Jesus is not played exactly how they needed out of uh, number nine, pretty much. So, anyway. Anyway, fucking Brazil with all those goddamn antics. So, I like a lot of players on that team, but fuck, can't fucking root for them no more. They took out my squad. That's uh Sad thing, sad thing. Freaking took a set of prayer, took a shot tequila before the match. Good luck. Nothing. Nada. Nada. Nada esta mañana. Man. So disappointed. Sodio probably done. And now this is going to be the end of the career for a lot of guys. One dude I wanted to see too is Gio Dos Santos. I mean, I understand like... Osorio, he makes his substitutions and he makes his changes and stuff like that. And I get it. But he kind of went away from that at the beginning. And then I think he tried to, 
he probably outsmarted himself at the end. I believe in the last couple games, he was th- overthinking it. I think. See, I mean, I guess my personal opinion might be a little bit different than his, especially since it's the it's a Copa Mundial. It's like freaking you got to put it all out there, versus maybe if you're managing a team, uh, like a club, versus a uh, national team. It's like a different type of uh, expectations and um, et cetera, et cetera. It's a different scenario. So when you have a national team, I feel, especially when you get to a tournament, maybe like when you're in other scenarios, it's it's different. But when you get to a tournament, you kind of have an understanding of a couple ways you can play. And you maybe have a couple different substitutes and different tactics to use them in different ways. So... I would use maybe four, maybe five different possible substitutes depending on the scenarios of what's going on. For example, if you're down and you need to chase a game, you might need to put on another attacker. So maybe Giotto Santos is that guy. Maybe if you need a box-box midfielder, Marco Fabian is that guy. If you need a defensive dude, you put Rafa Marquez out there. If you need somebody that is uh, more legs on the wing, you have Tecatito run or Raul Jimenez up top if Chicharito's gassed or gets a knock or something you know because he's very talented in his own right and he had it looked like he might have had it. they're looking for him at least in uh, the end of the match today against Brazil but yeah I think Jimenez he's going to be one of the guys moving forward who I think has a good opportunity to be that, that number nine guy passing for Chicharito because I don't know if he Chicharito is going to be Sticking around for another another World Cup. If he does, he might be a super sub type player. I don't know. I mean, he's like how old now? Gotta look that shit up. Javier Hernandez. What's up? He's five foot nine. They don't tell me how old he is. He's mm, 30 So he'll be 34 That's pretty long in the tooth for a striker But We'll see We'll see It's going to be tough for him But like you're thinking guys like Chicharito The aforementioned Gio Dos Santos We saw Jonathan today Which was kind of a surprise I figured you'd need Gio a little bit more To help open up that defense and Gio would have been, I think, a better matchup against Los Brasileños because they had Casamiro and um, Fernandinho and uh, Miranda and Pepe. They were shutting it down in the middle from uh, a lot of action. So if you put Gio in there, he gives you a little bit more flexibility. He's got more uh, wiggle to him to be able to get around the guy and make a pass and find a teammate or get a shot opportunity. But shit happens. Life moves on. Giotto Santos, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be there. I don't know if uh, Rafa has to be his last one. This is his fifth one. It's ridiculous. He made five. He's a 40-year-old dude. I don't think he's got another one in him. Memo Ochoa, maybe. I don't know. How old is Ochoa? 
He's six foot one. Yes. Thirty-two. So he'll be thirty-six. That's a little up there too. We'll see. See if that works. Damn, dude. Disappointing. Disappointing. Who else? Who else might be out? Vela. If you gotta bring up Chicharito, that means Vela. Might as well. Layun ain't that young either. I think he might have another chance. Mm, yeah, Layun's 30 also. I don't know, man. I don't freaking know. So they're going to have to have that new wave of uh, young players to keep coming through and keep coming up. That's what I was saying at the beginning when they did the preview show that I think it was a culmination of like that generation of Mexican players like at this World Cup. Like If they couldn't get it done here, then it was, wasn't in the cards. and Unfortunately, it wasn't. Yeah, Mexico's all-time goal scorer, Chicharito, couldn't help lead that team. El quinto partido, that would have been a, a legacy-defining thing for him but damn I think they really dropped the ball against Sweden all they needed was a freaking tie and they did not come out with the right mindset Sweden kind of just weathered the blow and just didn't didn't give in and gave it to them really but yeah Osorio like some of the substitutions in terms of after like the second game I started feeling a little bit questionable about but that's that's just personally me some of the lineup decisions is like mm, I don't know I might have done it differently but that's that's just me my FIFA manager skills like today I would have brought in Gio or maybe Fabian because Guardado I mean he was like hearts and guts of the team but he did not look he didn't have the, the, the legs I think Osorio forgot about subbing him in the last couple of games and he just looked gas at the end and that just like Really opened up uh, a lot of passing opportunities for the uh, Sweden and for Brazil in the second half of both of the games. It's like Mexico just like ran out of gas, keeping up defensively, and it just uh, eventually the levies broke in both. But yeah, if they get a tie against Sweden, then they would have had to play a much favorable matchup, and they would have been on the easier, technically the easier side of the bracket. For looking at it right now. Or Sweden. Where the fuck is Sweden? They play Switzerland tomorrow. In the morning time. I don't give a shit about that. But it's Switzerland though. Switzerland much much more gettable game than Brazil. In my opinion. Just unfortunate. William really killed him today. Neymar did his Neymar's ridiculous showboat and shit. It's just... Man. Such a tragic way to go out. So tragic. Didn't even get a goal today. Ah, pues. Modo. On to the next one. It is what it is. Yeah. Very sad into... Start my day off that way. I had to freaking work a full day at my job. And it was not fun. Just thinking about that shit. 
Then another big shit that happened that was going on on my mind. Freaking LeBron James coming to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers. That's just crazy. I can't believe that, honestly. I mean, I can't do. The writing was on the wall. He bought two cribs out here in Brentwood last year. Shopping around, looking at kid at places uh, for his kid, Bronny, LeBron Jr. to go play in high school. And yeah, he made the move. Putting on purple and gold, and it's not good. Not good for me as a Sacramento Kings fan. It's just I don't mind the Lakers. I just mind. The way it just like things fall into their lap all the time, like I just have a complete misfortune, and then everything is just magically comes together and everything's okay. And it's like, damn bitch, that shit just not be this easy. Winning the NBA is fucking hard as shit. It should be, but damn, basketball is a crazy sport where you can just get a couple guys and. They just kind of lead the way, and then you might be set. Just get enough from enough from uh, the other people. You might be able to pull it off. There's been a lot of examples of that kind of happening in uh, NBA history. So one or two players can definitely make or break a season every year. And now it's like the hunt for who else is going to join LeBron. Already they've signed a couple free agents and they let a couple dudes go. So they let Julius Randle go. Um, they picked up Lance Stevenson, which is crazy. They picked up JaVale McGee, McGee which is crazy. That's going to be clown-ass, clown-ass locker room. And they picked up Rajon Rondo, who has a possibility to not mesh with certain dudes. I've definitely seen it happen. Saw it happen in Sacramento. Boston, he rubbed dudes in the wrong way. Especially Ray Allen. I know they, they had a, a little beef amongst each other for a little bit. And uh, who else? Or where else? He was in Chicago for a little bit. That didn't work. New Orleans, he looked like he was doing all right. Kind of rehabbed his image a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. It kind of ate up a lot of cap space. They re-signed Contavious Caldwell Pope. And don't we have as much space for too many moves? You know, some people were kind of saying that they might have blown the, a lot of their their dough for the offseason kind of early on players that are like, okay. Yeah, we should, uh, I don't know. Maybe take a look at some of the free agent signings and kind of compare what really happened. Let's see here. Free agent signings. What the fuck? That's so stupid. You like type it and then you tap tap somewhere else on the iPad and like it goes away. Yeah. Boom. Give me results. Give me 
results. Boom. Free agency signings. Tracker. Let's go. Deal struck so far. All right, yeah. So, Braun Braun got the biggest of anybody. So, he signed four years, $154 million. So, he really, you know, locked it down. He's going to be with the Lakers, which is fucking crazy, man. Lakers at some point get, like, all of the best players except for, like, Michael Jordan and a few other dudes. That's crazy, man. They've had so many ridiculous Hall of Famers. Four years, hundred fifty-four million. Really gives them a chance and opportunity to put it together, build for a few years, and put a contender in. Maybe not this year, in the next year, to really take over the Warriors. And the Warriors just freaking went crazy. They went crazy today. They signed Boogie Cousins to the mid-level exception. Like, are you kidding me? making like around five million a year it's like that's nothing for him for his talent although he is recovering from an achilles but good luck with his personality and good luck with getting him play defense and staying motivated and etc etc saw a lot of that dude and yeah he can uh, be up and down to say the least in the same possession be pissed off at your point guard for some shit on the other end. He'll get the ball, barrel through three guys, and dunk on somebody. And then yell at the refs, nag it back on defense. Still get the chase down block somehow. Get a rebound, throw an outlet pass for an assist. Then be lazy on a simple post move on a player and reach and foul a man one. But then come down on the other side, dribble between his legs, pull up from three. Like, what? You're a seven-footer. Six-foot-eleven, like, 280, big body. Just doing all kinds of crazy shit on the court. But he could do it. It's just a matter of if he's got that little extra will and want. And with the Warriors, it's so crazy. Steve Kerr just, like, turns everybody into, you know, thinking about defense. He got Kevin Durant to be, like, the defensive anchor on the team. I mean, I figure like that shit is pretty crazy, the way he used to play in Oklahoma City. At least on that end of the court, they used to let him go free range. But on the Warriors, they didn't necessarily need him on the offensive end as much as as when he was in Oklahoma. So you kind of were able; they had the luxury to ask of him a little bit different. And I think you kind of realize that that's kind of how he needed to. To play, and I don't know if that the players kind of talked him into that, or if it was the coaching, or if it just kind of, or if it was just him. If he came to that realization, but for whoever, just how it's off to them. I give some credit to Steve Kerr for sure, and that coaching staff. But yeah, freaking crazy. Let's see what other deals we got. So yeah, KD resigned two years, sixty-one point five. I think it's one year with a player option. Paul George. Signs four years, three years with the player option, 137 total. CP resigns with the Rockets, four years and 160. That was kind of agreed upon. You, I kind of wink, wink last year after they got the trade for him. And this one's crazy. DeAndre Jordan finally 
joining the Mavericks after a few years. Had to get his uh, home barricaded by freaking his Clipper teammates to get convinced to go back to L.A. He goes to the Mavs for one year and $24.1 million. There's a kind of running theme. A lot of one-year deals or a lot of four-year deals. So it's like, you know, if you're the top dudes, you get an opportunity to sign for that long term. Everybody else, you're getting these little one-years. Two years, maybe. Three years are kind of the weird ones. Anyway, it's kind of how it is, I guess. Aaron Gordon, I think he got a four-year, $84.84 million deal. Or three-year, $84 million. So website ain't got it. What the fuck, Bleacher Report? Anyway, JJ Redick, one-year, $12 million to go back to the Sixers. Oh, yeah, Aaron Gordon re-signed with the Magic. Ariza goes from Houston to Phoenix for $15 million for next year, for one year's deal. Derek Favors, $36 million for over two years to re-sign with the Jazz. Uh, he was a solid post player for them in the rotation. He kind of has been for a little bit. He never really, I guess, panned out to that number two pick that everybody thought. But he ends up being yeah, kind of, maybe not run-of-the-mill, but yeah, kind of run-of-the-mill NBA big man. But you can make a good career, make a lot of good money off of that. So Favors still doing it. Will Barton with the Nuggets, re-signed, four years, $54 million. It's not the bad number, not that bad number for what Will Barton does. Um, rangy athletic defender. And can hit some threes and attack the rim a little bit, so it's kind of what you want. So that's that, that, that wing that just fills in. Let's see, Fred Van Vliet. With the Raptors, two years and $18 million. That's a good deal for Fred. Coming off of uh, being a, an undrafted rookie, that's really, really fucking good. It's kind of crazy when the second-round picks are like the undrafted guys. When they become free agents, sometimes they can get bigger deals than the guys that are like on their first-rounder like lottery picks because they're still on their rookie deals, and those are like four-year deals. Some of these guys will become free agents in one year or two years, so they'll get the deal sooner. So it's kind of crazy. And I think Van Vliet really did earn that. He was a solid player at Wichita State. I was kind of surprised he didn't get drafted. But goes to show you some dudes, they keep getting better, and other dudes just kind of stay the same or never reach that potential. Show flashes. Move on, moving on. As I mentioned before, Rajon Rondo going to the Lakers. The Lakers, one year, nine million. And also, Co was it another clutch sports agent, um, signee or whatever represent rep, not representative, um, athlete. Yeah, that works. Contavious Caldwell Pope, KCP. Resigns with the Lakers one year, twelve million. Last year he got one year, eighteen million. As was a wink, wink, nod, nod. Do me a solid, we'll do you the biggest one next year. Type of thing. You gotta know that was in the discussion. It's the same dudes. It's the same agents. It's Rich Paul and them. Anyway, yeah, I think people were really talking about that last year. Being a possibility But this dude Yeah KCP Got hooked up Two years by the Lakers That's the price you pay To get LeBron 
You do it every single time. Every single fucking time. Bron Bron's the best player in the game still. I would say. As of a couple months ago. Still. He's the guy I would take number one if I was uh, playing pickup. And I had any player on the planet available to me. He's my guy. Alright, moving on. Anyway. Rudier. Spurs one year, ten million. He signed he signed he resigns there, San Antonio. See what the Spurs can do. See if Kawhi gets moved. That's the next rumor mill. Everybody on ESPN. All on it. Yeah. See one year ten million. Yeah, didn't do too bad with them. That's kind of a Spurs type signing. What do you guys the type of do? Sometimes you give him a couple years on a deal. He like played really well in certain stretches of it, but there's always other parts of that contract where you're just like, come on, bro, you gotta step it up. You gotta give me a little bit more than that. Give me a little bit more. Yeah, Joe Harris. Uh, out of University of Virginia, got a another contract re-signed with the Nets, two years, sixteen million. That's a solid, solid player, solid signing for the Nets, and not a bad number. So, you know, I think listening to Bill Simmons' podcast earlier, this fool was saying, "Man, Lakers should have been looking out for guys like that," and I'm, I kind of agree with them. That would have been a better signing for the number. Right, moving on, Alfred Payton getting a deal with the Pelicans. So I guess one year, two point seven million. They give him a flyer. Let's see if he's got any more game. Definitely got that hair. I don't know what else. His game completely been like eh, meh to me since he's came in the league. Then we got Nerlens Noel with the Thunder, two years, three point five million. Let's see if he can be a body off the bench or give him some athleticism or whatever here he's kind of an asshole apparently he just rubs everybody the wrong way which is a shame because that uh, that high top fade was uh, was bumping when he was uh, a highly touted prospect now it's it's sad it's kind of sad you can't have the fade and be like okay you gotta have like some distinctive qualities that would just be like alright this dude's kind of dope but been kind of mm, underwhelming a little bit as an NBA player. Hence that two years, 3.5 million deal he just signed. And moving on. We got Dirk re-signing one year, 5 mil. Man, the Mavericks really screwed uh, the end of his career. Stupid has been wasting away on these like subpar teams for the last few years and just nothing. Nothing to show for it. Yeah, Ersan Ilyasova with the Bucks, three years, twenty-one million. So going back to Milwaukee, this fool just got like uh, just going back and forth between Milwaukee, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, pretty much. It's going back and forth between those three teams. 
But anyway, Aaron Baines resigns with the Celtics, two years, eleven million. Man Bun keeps it going. Ed Davis with the Nets, one year, four point four. That dude now has an afro or long hair. Uh, yeah, dude has some of the longest arms I've ever seen. Skinniest motherfucker ever. Ed Davis out of North Carolina. Jeremy Grant, another one of those dudes. Three years, 27 million. Still jumping out the gym. Uh, jumping and turning around for three-pointers for the Spurs will be Marco Bellinelli once again. So he goes back there to San Antonio, two years, 12 million. I guess Pop can get the best out of him, and nobody else can. But let's see, Lance Stevenson with the Lakers this will be one year, four point four. Mario Hazonia with the Knicks, one year, six point five. Dougie McBuckets with the Pacers, three years, twenty-two million, which I think is a high number for him. I don't know if I pay him seven a year, considering the market. Let's see, Javale with the Lakers, one year minimum. Julius Randle with the Pelicans, two years, eighteen million. Yeah, I don't know. This is a curious move there. Getting Randall, seeing if he's got some. Seth Curry with the Blazers, two years, six million. Looks like Steph and Seth are gonna be on the West Coast. And then, yeah, Cousins, the Warriors, one year, five point three million. That's the steal. That's the steal of uh, this free agency so far. At least you would think. I mean, you might get a half a season from him, but you don't need him to do much, man. They can get anything out of a center position. The Warriors a lot of times are winning games because they don't really need anything. They need to do set screens and just grab some rebounds and hit some layups. That's pretty much it. Cousins can do you a lot better than that. But Cousins might take stuff off the table. That's the other problem with that equation. So we'll see how that experiment goes. And it, to the Warriors' credit, it's only $5.3 million if it doesn't go well. So there you go. And then finally, Avery Bradley to the Clippers. Two years, 25 mil. Resign back with the Clip Show. Which isn't too bad. But yeah, freaking crazy, man. Boogie is a warrior. Back to Northern California. Somebody said he was the Bay, and I was like, how to correct him? I was like, nah, he didn't play for the Bay in the Bay before, technically. Sacramento is not the Bay. That's some other shit. That's like regional, like dialectic type shit. That's the same, but like, not nah, fam. It's like different. It's like saying San Diego and LA is the same. It's SoCal, similar. It ain't the same. Nah, it's a little different. It's a different flavor in your ear. You feel me? And that's how it is. Anyway. That's your free agency period. LeBron to the Lakers is the craziest shit ever. I mean, some like career defining shit right there. That's just like seismic shift into the NBA. There's like so, so much talent in the West now. Freaking stacked. Freaking loaded. Freaking loaded. But yeah, the quiet rumors keep moving up. They keep talking about the Lakers trying to make a trade. A couple other teams, like maybe the Sixers, interested in him. I don't know who else they've been talking about recently. The Celtics, maybe. But the Celtics don't really need to do anything. 
They don't necessarily need him. They don't need to break the bank for him. They don't need to sell the young assets for him. Necessarily. Especially if he's going to dip in a season. Because that's like the big, you know, fly on the wall pretty much. Elephant in the room. Everybody knows it's, you know, kind of on the table there. They say Kawhi might, like, skip out this whole season if the Spurs just try to keep him, man. <sighs> I don't know. That's kind of kind of iffy one I don't know I don't know if he would really fall through with that there's been a lot of players that have talked like that in the past and have just folded as it's uh, come to missing checks come in time come time to missing checks but I, I get the real sense that it's just agency just really doesn't give no fucks gives no fucks people in his ear just like you know just don't really give a shit what this person thing. It's kind of fucking ballsy, man. The gall. The gall of these motherfuckers. Crazy. Yeah, NBA's popping. Off and popping. Everything's going crazy. Let's see. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Let's go back to the World Cup real quick because I forgot to go through the other matchups. Man. We'll go through here. We'll go through group by group, see where, yeah, where everything's seated. So, Uruguay won group A. Russia was the second. So, both of them advanced. So, bye-bye Saudis, bye-bye Mosala and Egypt. They had a crazy World Cup. That shit was crazy. Group B, you got Spain and Portugal. They played that epic 3-3 draw that I was going crazy about in the first matchup. And Iran and Morocco did not make it. And it was some fucking tense-ass matches the last game in that group. It was kind of crazy. Anyway, Spain and Portugal, they both advanced. Group C was France and Denmark. The Peruvians, unfortunately, did not make it. Neither did the Aussies. In Group D was Croatia, number one. And Argentina, number two, barely on the skin of their teeth. It was Marco Rojo who saved it for them, of all people. Freaking center back, right back, or whatever the fuck. Came through on a cross and knocked one in. Nigeria did not make it. Neither did Iceland. Croatia was playing ridiculous. They're playing really good. Group E, Brazil and Switzerland. Serbs did not make it. Neither did the Costa Ricanos. And Group F, as I mentioned, unfortunately, Sweden number one. Mexico made it number two. G was Belgium and England. Tunisia and Panama did not go through. Yeah, England had a crazy... Harry Kane had a crazy header to win a game. Um... In like the dying minutes. There's been so many last second goals in this World Cup. It's been insane. Yeah, and then Group H, we got uh, Colombia and Japan going through. Senegal and Poland did not. And this was really cruel to Senegal because they did not go through on fair play tiebreaker, which is like the amount of bookings that you've gotten. And there was more yellow cards for Senegal by two than what Japan did. And so they advanced. That is a crazy fucking tiebreaker. I can't believe that's like that, like the third tiebreaker that you get there. Freaking, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. But yeah, Japan made it. And most people were like, what the fuck? Japan doesn't have that much talent. So they thought. So let's go to the knockout stages. First match, we had France in Argentina. This was a pretty crazy game. Ended up 4-3, but 
France was up, I think, 4-1 at the one point, 4-2. Mbappe had two goals. That was pretty good. First, young, one of the youngest players to ever score a brace in the knockout stages. And another game that day was Uruguay and Portugal. That was pretty crazy. Cavani did his thing. He scored two goals. And Pepe scored for Portugal. And in the same day, we got Messi and Ronaldo eliminated. That was on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, moving on. Spain and Russia. And probably the upset of the tournament so far. Russia knocking off the 2010 champs is Spain by a final of 4-2-3 in penalties they tied 1-1 yeah crazy Russia is advanced farther than Mexico has in the last five World Cups that is not good news I don't like putting it in that perspective the USA is advanced farther than Mexico has they didn't even fucking make this tournament. God damn it, god damn it, god damn it. Ah, so frustrating. So frustrating. Life moves on. Life moves on, Mario. Usa. Usa. Don't bring anything today. Don't bring anything. Anyway. Croatia. Yeah, they beat Denmark. 3 2 in penalties. That was more intense uh, penalty shots. You know, Schmeichel. The son of Schmeichel. <laughs> He came through. He had some nice stops, but Croatia, man. Croatia is solid. And Rocky Teach buried the last one in. Today, as I mentioned, make a loss to nothing to Brazil. And that's the last I'm talking about that. Japan lost to Belgium 3-2. to two. It was the most tragic way for Japan. So tragic. They scored two great goals. Two great goals to go up 2 nothing. It's about... Half an hour left to play, right? And oh my god, that match was was crazy. It was so crazy. Why is this in Russian? Fuck. Why is this in Russian? That's not good. <laughs> so let's go back to this matchup today. This shit was crazy, man. I'm going to keep saying it again. This shit was fucking crazy. Because it was. It fucking was. It's Belgium-Japan game. Let's see. So, yeah, Japan scored twice early in the second half. 48th minute in the 52nd minute, and you're just like, bang, bang. Second one they had from Inui was was nasty. It was nice. Coded around Courtois. It was, it was good. It was a highlight goal for sure. They took up Mertens, brought in Feilani, brought in Chadley for Carrasco. They just have that ability to just bring in all those dudes. And bam, it was Vertonghen. It was on a corner. And he, like, headed it in, like, from the craziest angle. Like, all the way to the far post. And it was it was crazy. It floated in and above the keeper. And it was, 
It was amazing. And then Feilani, he scored another one too. He had a header. And it was a, you know, natural Feilani header. Just smashed it in there. Boom. Just powerful. Dude's just got that ability. Just unique set of skills. And, yeah, then eventually it was a, a counter. A crazy counter. It was off a corner in like the 94th minute. And Japan decides to take the corner. They send it in. Cross goes nowhere. Freaking the ball ends up in De Bruyne's foot. So he, you know, advances it forward. He gets it about midfield. He laces a nasty pass all the way to the right side. I can't remember exactly who it was, but uh, Lukaku was running up the middle. Pass goes towards Lukaku. He dummies it, lets the ball go through. Attracts all the defenders. Pass goes all the way to Chadley on the left side. He one time shots uh, on net. Pass the keeper. Game winner. Boom. 12 second counter. Ariel. Game winner. Belgium wins 3-2. to two. Stunning comeback in turn of events. It was freaking crazy. I was like, oh my God. Watching that shit on my lunch break. That shit was insane. It was pretty fucking crazy. This freaking tournament has just been insane. And unfortunately, my team is out. So that means tomorrow I got to root for Colombia. I think that's my squad from here moving forward. If not them, then I'll maybe consider France. Because like Mbappe. Or maybe Belgium. Because, yeah. I like, I like their squad. I like their players. They just never really come together as a team. Belgium, they got that talent. They got that fire. So, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, moving on. I think uh, that's probably enough in the sports world for the moment. We'll uh, we'll keep it moving, talking. Yeah, how's my weekend? My weekend was cool. Got to meet up with some friends. Shout out to the homie Dom. Uh, we got to go kick it and went to, to drink and went out to a karaoke bar. That was fun. That fool was killing it. Had the crowd presence. I got a little too drunk and they would play my song a little too late. I started missing lines and freaking roses because I was slurring my words and I was like, ah, oh, these words are going way too fast. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Not a good moment. Four years truly. But it happens when you get soft. Anyway, I had a good time. It was my little brother's birthday too on Saturday, so I gave him a call. It's kind of funny because my brother... Is currently playing high school basketball. My friend Dom is um, one of the coaches, a part of the programs that me and him came and played through. So it's pretty cool. It's kind of reminisce about the old times and talk shit about our, fucking some of our ho- old homies <laughs> that were crazy and uh, our freaking characters. I'm talking to you, Devin. Fucking Devin motherfucking Lagorio, Motherfucking big cat Bro We were sitting there Reminiscing about your bitch ass <laughs> Oh man Some good ass stories Some fucking good ones bro Anyway who knows that fool Knows that fool's a fucking character But he's a homie man I love that fool And uh Yeah I Gotta say what's up man You gotta come through on the show I'm calling you out And we gonna keep it moving Yeah so we had a good time and yeah, happy birthday to my little brother, turning 17. <sighs> Becoming a senior in high school, doing all that. 
They call him Dirty Mike. <laughs> Following in my footsteps. Just to let everybody know. Um, whatchamacallit. They always ask who was better, me or him. I mean, touched my heart knowing that Dom came and went to bat. Get the repping for uh, Team Big Peso right here. Um, back in the day, it was like 2007, 2008. Man, 2006? No, probably like 2006. The latest, 2005, 2006. Damn, that's like 12 years ago, son. It's been some time. I'm fucking old reminiscing about high school shit, bro. Fucking washed. You fucking washed up. Anyway, yeah, it was cool. I had a good time. Had a good time. Got a little too drunk. Man. Met this one chick. It was just like amazing. She was, uh, oh man, smoking and just chilling with us at the at the karaoke bar. So we go back to the crib and she's like laying it into us about, or not laying it into us, but we were like just chilling, just talking outside. And she's like talking about how like it was the first time that she had you know, gone out for a long ass time, cause she had like this kid, and she got in like this long ass settlement, like, and like divorce and everything, and like, she's trying to get custody of the kid, and like, it was like some crazy heavy shit, and I was like, damn, I lost all desire to keep fucking <laughs> trying to put in an effort in conversating with you, but I'll still be a good person and listen to your story and think about this shit, but now my fed's in a fucked up mindset, and that's kind of what happened too, so... Man, she was, man, she was, she, 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 she seemed like a good person, but who knows, who knows, people, people always seem nice when you first meet them, or at least can, or the opposite too, people can look like assholes at certain times, and you just, you might catch them on a the bad day, caught them slipping, so don't always be the quickest to judge, you can be quick to um, react, but maybe don't be quick to judge and ascribe something and you know wholeheartedly like that until you got maybe have a little more evidence you know they say was it fool me once shame on you fool me fool me twice shame on me then, then there you go kind of like that shit but anyway i was kind of kind of there and then she left like a little bit after I was smoking some weed too And she was saying How she didn't do A bunch of shit And then I Like she didn't do no drugs And I asked her If she drinks caffeine And she's like Yeah I like I, lo- I like drink coffee All the time I'm like Well isn't that a drug And I think I kind of Put her on the spot I don't know Maybe I was kind of Over it At that point <laughs> And I was kind of Just high On my high shit too I just get defensive Sometimes But I get it I get it That's probably Probably a good thing for her And teach their own This was probably In a bad state I was probably a little bit of a dick. Like I said, don't be very quick to judge. Yeah. There's some interesting characters. But yeah, I got to hang out with my homie Dom and my homie Brian too from, from back in uh, high school. So that was kind of cool. A little, a little uh, blast in the past. But uh, yeah, early on Saturday, I actually got to go out to the uh, the marches, try to help the kids are separated from family was it uh i'm like spacing right now but yeah basically they had a bunch of marches on saturday around around uh, the country really and we joined uh joined with the 
friend of mine and we went to the one out in Long Beach. It was cool. Spent a couple hours there in the morning. It was a couple thousand people. I thought it was pretty good. It was a good size of people. So it felt good to kind of be there for that. But I don't know. It felt kind of weird also too. Because there's like, yeah. It's, it's good to like be, you know, standing up and 100% of what you're for against too. I agree with that. I also think it was like, can be a little bit too much at times where you get the sense of like people doing this for a sense of just to be a part of like a sense of community and they might not say wholeheartedly um, um, be like for or understand what they're you know marching for or against so sometimes there's kind of like the the whole sense when you get into a part of a group and the sense of belonging and feeling that you kind of get from uh, participating in certain things like that so you see certain people out there and you're just kind of like alright are you just doing this just to do this or like do you really do you really feel this way there's a lot of people with like creative signs and stuff like that but yeah I mean you got, you do, you do kind of get that feel a little bit but it was cool it was cool to be with the people they kind of seem a little like minded in a certain sense but at the same time, too, it's just, uh, I'm also someone who's, like, pretty aware that it, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, the Democratic Party of, like, the liberal, the Democratic wing of the liberal, uh, liberal America, I guess, has not always been the kindest to people of color and people of my background, so we tend to be propped up as a voting block in certain years and not necessarily some a community that gets looked after all the time um and other people of color too uh definitely i would say felt that way um at certain points in certain times and I feel like we're just kind of uh you know assumed that we're gonna you know 100 percent stand in line and be for what the party platform is promoting like all the way 100% because that's how it is with America you're either 100% on one side or 100% on the other there's no middle ground or no no other compromise no other third way, fourth way, fifth way sixth way like uh, is available in some other countries but that's kind of yeah, that's kind of how it is so you kind of have to be cognizant of that too and just kind of seeing what is kind of actual outrage and what's kind of just you know, they're just playing, playing it up a little bit, but it, it, it felt good, and it, it was cool, cool to see, um, but the other thing is, too, is, is you're, you're kind of, you know, trivializing the, I felt a little bit like it was trivializing the lives of these immigrant kids from, like, Central America, uh, to kind of just dump on hating Trump, which there's, they kind of just, it all gets conflated together, because this whole issue with immigration at the border has been an ongoing thing for decades now through different presidencies of different uh, political parties. So, you know, we're well aware that Obama actually increased the, you know, rates of deportations 
uh, a lot more than what when they were under George W. Bush. Um, you know, ironically, actually, because I think Bush is actually from Texas, so I think he understand he understood the the issues that would have affected the other people who maybe look little like him, but like rely on people who maybe look more like my cousins and stuff like that to, uh, um, you know, provide some, uh, some, some labor workforce in different, you know, manners in different ways. So I think there was that. And I think, yeah, Obama probably had to, because he was, uh, uh, democratic in the first, a Democrat in the first black president, I think he had to overcompensate in a certain ways in terms of trying to present himself as being, you know, still part of that corporate class and being in the middle. So I think one of, that was one of the ways that that was kind of expressed is, you know, giving them contracts to these uh, people that ICE uh, works with to run these detention centers and stuff like that. It's pretty, pretty damn crazy. Because uh, I've been reading articles about how there was that tent cities at like certain of these, some of these like detention centers, like from a while back, apparently, unfortunately. So this is a longer, systemic, deeper problem than just this president. So some people I think are just kind of short-minded in terms of like we're gonna get this president out and this is all gonna change, and it's gonna require a little bit more foresight and a little more application and thought than maybe that. But it's definitely not a bad step and not a bad uh, place to be. And something I saw in the news is freaking, um, what's his name? Michael Cohen is freaking attorney. Apparently, is now looking like he might have flipped, and he might be, you know, a little doing a little chirp, 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 and could possibly have some dirt on the Donald. We don't know. Stay tuned. The saga continues. This whole shit is fucking bananas, and I haven't been reading too too deep into a lot of it as of late because my brain be hurting sometimes man and i had to be putting new different shit in it that like makes it function better so yeah that was probably the most basic ass way i could have explained it but yeah that's kind of what i'd be feeling that's kind of where i'm at in this current moment yeah sometimes it's just shit is just dumping on you and you just gotta you gotta tune some of it out and you gotta still be open to hearing what's the big news though so it's kind of a, a weird middle ground you kind of be in, have to be in and it's hard for me to escape it a lot of times because there's like certain platforms that I have where I know I'll be following and I'll be like I'll get exposed to certain things so it's there it can be there so any hoot um, moving on. What else? What else we got on the the damn docket? Let's do it later. Uh, oh yeah, forgot one more thing in the sports world. Detroit Tigers pitching coach got fired for having these racist comments that he had. Apparently, shit was kind of way out there. I'll give you the details in just a minuto. Let's see. Detroit Tigers pitching coach. Boom. Chris Bosio was fired. Uh, for insensitive comments. 
They announced on Wednesday. That was five days ago. Damn. Let's see. Hmm. Chris Bozio. Uh, damn. Dude had Sacramento roots. That sucks. Called some dude a spider monkey. Damn. Crazy. Crazy. Trying to read a good account of this. Um, well, I need to edit this part of the show for Elite Beat because this is not riveting radio. Not at all. Not fucking at all. Yeah, let's go to Deadspin. I'll have an update on it. Report fired Tigers pitcher called Black Clubhouse attendant a monkey. Uh, boom. Let's click on that one. I think that's the latest. What's the latest? This shit was pretty crazy. Wednesday, last Wednesday, they announced that he had been let go for making a sensitive comment. Da, 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 da. Next day, he spoke to the USA Today, claimed that the whole thing had been a misunderstanding. According to a new report from The Athletic, his explanation is totally bunk. He told the USA Today that he referred to Tiger's picture of Daniel Stumpf, a white guy, as a spider monkey while take, talking with some other coaches, and that a black clubhouse attended and overheard the comment and mistakenly concluded that it was directed at him. The Athletic has since spoken to four different sources to dispute his version of events from their story. Bosio called the attendant, who is African-American, a quote-unquote monkey, according to four team sources. The remark was directed toward the young man who was collecting towels from the coach's room at the time during a post-game gripe session in which Bosio was lamenting about a pitcher. During this exchange, Bosio made a derogatory comment about one of the Tigers' pitchers and then gestured towards the attendant before adding, Like this monkey here, the source said. The attendant pushed back at Bosio for the comment. An additional team employee witnessed the exchange. Bozio was provided an opportunity to apologize to the attendant after his outburst, but declined to do so, according to multiple sources. Boom. This is what Deadspin says. So now we know that Chris Bozio is a racist and a liar. Boom. So yeah, that fool got into some deep doo-doo dog shit last week. And yeah, apparently he's got some Sacramento roots, which just ain't cool. But yeah. People forget California is like has got some roots of some shit. I mean, fucking Hell's Angels started over here. I fucking seen the motherfuckers when I was a little, a few different times. It's crazy. It's crazy. Showing out in the full leathers and stuff like that. Hold on, weekend. Front of everybody. That was pretty out there. Alright, moving on to the docket. Uh, we got to give some good news. A good shout out. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won her primary in the district in the Bronx as a Democratic Socialist running against Joe Crowley, who is a corporate Democrat, you know, traditional type of dude. And yeah, she ended up winning. So Crowley 
had the big funder votes, but uh, Ocasio-Cortez had the you know kind of everyday type of person vote, and she ended up winning. So that's uh, kind of a surprising thing, and she's kind of becoming a little bit of a star in her own right, which is, you know, shout out to y'all, shout out to Latinas doing doing work, you know. I believe she's Dominican, if I'm not mistaken. So I know people, a lot of people rep BX and all that shit. So shout out to y'all doing things. People like to drag her, try to drag her on Twitter, and she's she's about it. She's with it. She's uh she's had a Twitter presence for a little bit, kind of on the democratic socialist uh, type of uh, um. You know, feel I follow some of those folks a little bit. Some accounts that I, I kind of agree with some of the the um, causes that they're promoting, and so yeah, it's uh, a little bit. Uh, I've I've seen some of the her tweets being liked and shared and all that shit for a few months now, at the very least, if not longer. So, I've kind of been aware of her a little bit. I don't think the national media necessarily has, though. I will say Sean King. Sean King's been liking a lot of her stuff for a while. And I follow him on Twitter. I like to see his opinions. I don't always agree with him, which is fine. But I like to share his opinions, and I think he means well. And that's where I'm at with that. And I think he's a very... um, very, very trained writer. I like uh, reading some of the things that he presents, puts together. He kind of breaks it down in, in the good terms and, and is able to, for the audience to give a good sense of understanding of where he's coming from. Sometimes people have mixed messages in certain things, but he, he he's pretty clear in terms of what he presents to you. He always presents a pretty good narrative, and he puts things into context very well. Um, some people would state that he goes over the top, but I don't necessarily see leaps of faith in certain things that he says quite as much as, as other people would. But I can you can kind of see the train of logic um, that kind of goes through there and through his head as you're reading some of his stuff. So, yeah, he's been somebody that's been up on her train the whole time because she's... You know, running on that whole party platform. You know, healthcare for everyone. You know, free college for uh, uh, in state, in free in state college for uh, kids. Um, you know, livable wages. Um, no ban, no wall, things of that nature. So that's kind of on her docket, and she's she goes farther than the normal Democrats do, or at least tend to, um, because that's kind of towing, uh, not the Democratic Party line. It's kind of crazy, because if you think about it like on a spectrum, a full-on spectrum between the full-on left being the crazy socialist, you know, repressive regime, to the full-on right, where it becomes the uh, complete opposite and it is a you know like the brutal dictatorships and stuff like that so 
um, um, whatchamacallit, what's the term I'm looking for? What the fuck is the term? Opposite of, look at me, opposite of socialism. Got me Googling shit. Uh, what is it? Fascist, fascist society. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that shit. So, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, it was, uh, yeah. So you got the far right fascist regimes, right? And if you split the poll right down the middle, I would say that would be closer to where the the Democrats might be than the Republicans might be because I think Republicans are probably, as a party as a whole, farther right than they are closer to the center as a full party. That's not everybody. That's just as like a general norm or average or mean or whatever. That's where it's kind of hovering around. I mean, there's more people way the fuck farther to the right, but then there's more people way the fuck closer to the center. And so what you're kind of seeing and what kind of the Democratic Party kind of traditionally has been, in my opinion, is it tends to be on the left side of the spectrum, but it's more closer to the center than it is to the far, far, far edges of the left. And that's just uh, kind of the way I see certain things. Um and so in America, we've had a lot of great successes and a lot of, of advancements that have propelled the nation forward. But there's been different, definitely, you know, costs of doing business that have affected some people more so than others. Um, to, you know, certain people's faults and, you know, to not certain people's faults. To some people, some people's, you know, doesn't have any doing in it, you know, regardless, you know. It's, uh, uh, you know, sometimes things, the playing field isn't even for everybody. And that doesn't even go along race lines at all. It can go between the poor and the rich line, you know. Um, I think that's the big, the more distinguishing line that you kind of have there. Um, that kind of transcends some things, but I think most people in America don't necessarily think of things in those terms quite as much. And they get divided off because of uh, all these other dividing factors that come up. And people try to make more evident before that. So it's kind of disappointing. But anyway. Fucking, I don't know where I was going on with this. Oh, so I was saying, I think, yeah, the Democratic left is probably a little bit closer to the center. Than, like the true, true center. Than the Republican, right? And so the way things get kind of skewed is we don't look at the dead on center as much anymore. We look at the center in between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. So then that, you know, flag kind of gets moved a little bit farther to the right, a couple notches, then it would be kind of sitting in the middle. So these kind of newer wave of Democratic Socialists... Um, who have won some like smaller uh, primaries or you know smaller seats in certain districts and different places, maybe some mayor uh, mayoralships and other things like that. 
they've kind of presented another way on the left of uh, promoting certain things or going a little bit further than the um, the you know Democratic Party is necessarily accustomed to. So you know, Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez is a part of that group that's kind of trying to do something different and do something new, and that's kind of been a wing that's been sprouting up a little bit as uh, the last few elections have been kind of coming around. So who knows if it'll be big enough movement, kind of like how the Tea Party kind of was a few years ago, kind of in the other direction. So we'll kind of see. Time will tell with all that. But uh, that's uh, kind of a big upset because I know he was kind of a big player in terms of uh, the Democratic uh, Party in totality. So it kind of puts people on high alert. And, you know, quite frankly, I think the Democratic Party is a little too scared to kind of go all the way far that far left or make some concessions at least. That's why they wouldn't, you know, jump on the Bernie train even though all the poll numbers would have said he would have won. At least in a lot of them that I was looking at. They were doing the numbers between Hillary and him and Hillary did not have favorable numbers and Bernie and him and it was looking, looking all right. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying. It's kind of what the people want. And I kind of feel like the Democratic Party is going to be left behind if they don't give the people a little bit more of what they want. That's kind of it's kind of what these parties kind of have to do, right? Some people want one thing, some people want the other. So you got to offer some of it to them or else they're just going to be, you know, whatever about it. And that's kind of what happens. But they're ex- the people were excited to vote for her and they definitely did. They went out. But anyway, we move on, on to the world of, uh, uh, you know, Trumpitoville. We got that trade war, though, brewing. I just saw today that Canada put more taxes, or more tariffs on American goods as retaliation. EU has put up tariffs, and it's just getting crazy. We put up tariffs on other, like, uh, steel and aluminum coming into the uh, U.S., and that's going to affect a bunch of stuff. Gas prices have been moving up, and it's it's not looking good, man. It's not looking good. This is egotistic ass Trump just playing around with, uh, you know, house money. Pretty much, this isn't his his economy necessarily. It's it's the America's economy. But he's kind of you know, you know, being uh, flippant about it. It's not having all this foresight and just uh, basically telling everybody to you know. To F off pretty much the rest of the world Doing my own thing So this is uh, Not uh, Not the best scenario there That we got for The leader of the free world here So Yeah things have been kind of heating up there For the um, um, In terms of You know what's what's going on here Economically I'm not sure how what at what point it's gonna take before you start to get more people to feel on the anti side because I feel like because things have kind of just been like not too significant of, of a of a change it hasn't affected quite an, as many people so people haven't had a out and out desire or reason to uh, maybe come around to their views on him or 
amend their views or be or have a view one way or the other because there's people who are apathetic you know it's just like whatever as i can see it in the grand scheme of things if if it don't affect you then whatever who cares and that's kind of you know one way to look at it and i can see why people would look that way i don't necessarily think of it that way i think you know in theory in principle we gotta have you know we gotta be there for each other so you gotta have to show up and kind of present what is is good for the public as uh, being a part of a democratic society at least in theory if that is actually in practice that's kind of another you know thing but in my opinion you say fuck it might as well try as my dad used to say growing up the only thing i could tell you is no so i mean fuck it we're gonna try it so that's kind of my perspective you know try to do good for what you think is good for society even if society doesn't necessarily know it and it's kind of a i'm now that i'm saying it out loud that might not be the best kind of recommendation to kind of give but if you kind of have a good moral compass and a good sense of everything i would you know kind of try to subscribe to that but yeah you know what maybe don't because people are fucked up <laughs> we're fucked up thinkers and as evidence you know we don't always vote for what's our best interest he gets swept up in hoopla and hype sometimes that happens but uh yeah I don't know it's not the best of times so freaking Harley Davidson is moving their production facilities they're not going to be producing Harleys in America they're going to be making them in Europe I'm like what the hell what the hell Trump that's like as American as it can be I don't even necessarily like choppers myself I have like an appreciation for them and all that stuff but like damn sway how you going to do them like that how you going to do them like that that's like the one of the quintessential like American brands and yeah you're just letting that shit just go by the wayside it's kind of the opposite of what he kind of ran on right i mean just like trying to keep american businesses in america and like you know american jobs and all this stuff it's like what's going on here buddy buddy bow it's what this uh gas price is moving up even though i know with any president they only have so much control over you know, the output and the control of by the OPEC nations, and I know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like an easy sticking talking point for somebody who's a, a on the opposite viewpoint of what the current president is displaying. I get it. But fucking still. It's like, come on. Come on, dude. This shit getting more expensive is not cool. I'm really do- I'm glad I fucking got at least on my car when I did because all these fucking cars to import them and everything like that is going to be even more expensive like to get bring the pieces not even to import the cars to import the pieces to get and bring them to the factories here in America so they get assembled here in America because those are American jobs by companies like Toyota and Honda Nissan Kia you know those type of companies you know Fiat Daimler Chrysler just like BMW, 
Mercedes, all them. Porsche. Like, you know, all these little companies. Smart car. All these companies and stuff like that. That technically are foreign. They still have business here in America and produce, you know, work and opportunities for people here in America. Um, as somebody who's worked for a company, one of those such companies, you know, I could, you know, explain it there myself. You know, that's, I'm an example, number one. So, yeah, I don't agree with all this, just, you know, putting the economic middle finger up to everybody and just saying to hell with it. We're just taking our ball and, pl- and leaving. That's not how you kind of get shit done. And that's not really what a, a leader really is. It's, this dude just tries to play hardball with everybody. He always tries to, to get pushed to the nuclear option and trying to push people over the ledge. He kind of gets uh, people into that one you know moment where it's uh, you either bend to his will or you just have to be his enemy. It's like one or the other. <laughs> it's freaking crazy. It's freaking diabolical. It's like a freaking you know evil character in a Disney cartoon, you know, evil villain in a comic book. That's that's their mo. That's what they. That's how they think. That's how they move. That's how they operate. And there's our freaking president doing this with other world leaders. It's like, come on, man. This is this ain't good, man. This ain't this ain't good. Ain't good at all. Anyway, we gonna move on. We'll see what's gonna happen with that. Yeah, the other, I guess my last thing, freaking really sad that I have to mention. Um, let's see. Got to bring up the... Uh, oh, that's different. Russian journalist reveals details of his fake death. Damn, some Russian journalist just got fake dead. Um, let's see. Let's see, Baltimore. Let's see. Yeah, there was five dead in a target attack on the Gazelle paper in Annapolis. Police say. Let's see. It's pretty sad. Pretty freaking sad. Five dead in targeted attack at Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis. Laurel man charged with murder. Yep, journalists dived under their desk and pleaded for help on social media. One reporter described the scene as a war zone. A photographer said he jumped over a dead colleague and fled for his life. Victims were identified as Rob Heisen, former feature writer for the Baltimore Sun, who joined the Capitol Gazette in 2010. Wendy Winters, 65. Um, yeah, these there was five folks. I don't really want to say the names. This, this was too sad. Damn. Mm. Took this sus- a suspect into custody, Jared. Uh, I don't want to say his name. 38-year-old man with a long-standing grudge against the paper. He was charged with five counts of first-degree murder, according to the online court records. Let's see. This person was prepared today to come in. He was prepared to shoot people. Um, let's see. 
The dispute began in July 9, 2011, when a columnist wrote about a criminal harassment case against him. He brought a defamation suit against the columnist and the organization's editor and publisher. The court ruled in the Capital Gazette's favor, and an appeals court upheld the ruling. Neither the columnist nor the editor and publisher are still employed by the Capital Gazette. They were not present during the shootings. Police said the suspect used smoke grenades in the attack. They said 170 people were inside at the time. Jesus. Man. Damn. That is crazy. There's nothing more terrifying than hearing multiple people get shot while you're under your desk than hear the gunman reload. That's gotta be heavy. Can you imagine just season season gunfire and you're in like your work? Mm. That's so crazy. Yeah. But like this whole like just brazenness in attacking the media physically. I mean, people have grown accustomed to that because the president has just like just lambasted them to write, you know, on crazy. Everyone who isn't Fox is just going to go, you know, eat shit pretty much from him. <sighs> it's fucking insane. Like, Fox News is like the freaking voice of the president nowadays it's just like he was just talking through them or they talk to him and he listens it's like a little bit of back and forth that's kind of fucking nuts it's kind of crazy I don't like stop paying attention to a lot of that stuff as much as I can yeah I say that but then I still look at shit so I am and I'm not I'm like a hypocrite I'm a hypocritical ass motherfucker I talk a lot of shit or I talk a lot but I got to do some more. That's my thing. But yeah. It's just like making people more feel more susceptible to just say, screw the media, screw everybody. And they're feeling brazen about it. Like they can, you know, actually fall through on their actions. And it's sad when you see something like this where it's, it's a tragic incident. But you, you get the sense sometimes. Some of these dudes, they just like, if you're feeling themselves... But like In a negative way To like put people down You don't necessarily To feel good about yourself You don't need to Have other people feel less than you That's just a negative And a selfish mentality And a mindset that I think Can permeate sometimes And yeah I think that That is uh, There's a sense of that at times Now maybe granted Maybe they felt that way About certain other people When other presidents were in Democratic presidents were in charge You know To each their own That's their opinion But yeah this is, this is how I, I Kind of feel it's just like Your words as a president can like Mean more Than A normal person I mean that's just That's just some common sense there So it's just it's something you shouldn't take lightly. Something you should definitely have some forethought for. But this dude is just freaking just flying by the seat of his pants and he don't give two craps. Who gets hit? He's swerving around 
in the vehicle going like 120, changing lanes, and he doesn't care what happens. So that's kind of that's kind of how it feels. It's like riding a roller coaster. Anyway, I'm getting tired. We're gonna wrap this up. I've been kind of loopy these last like 20 minutes, and yeah, fuck it. I'll just keep it in because I'm too tired to edit. Cause yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, this has been episode number 30, numero 30. If the Puro Caballero Show, follow your boy on Twitter at Puro Caballero. On Instagram at Puro Caballero. And yeah. This has been episode 30 once again. I'm just repeating shit. I don't know what I'm doing. This is a horrible outro. But it is what it is, you know, you just got to keep it moving and grooving. Not the best day for me as a sport fan, but yeah. <sighs> Favorite team in the World Cup crashes and burns. Rival basketball squad gets another superstar and reloads again. Best player in the NBA goes to the team that I don't like seeing that happen to. And what are you gonna do about it? Oh well. What you gonna do about it? Anyway, this is Monday, July the second, and I'm signing off. Yay. <laughs>